Welcome to Rise and Shine, the podcast dedicated to women in home building who are ready to rise professionally and shine personally. I am your host, Abby Cornelius, and I am thrilled to embark on this empowering journey with you. Together, we're going to dive into the world of leadership, sales, mindset, results, and corporate climbing, all tailored to the unique experiences of women in this industry. Whether you're a seasoned pro or you're just starting out, Rise and Shine is here to provide you with actionable insights, inspiring stories, and expert advice to propel you forward in your career and illuminate your personal growth. So if you're ready to break some barriers, conquer challenges, and redefine success on your own terms, you are in the right place. It's time to rise, it's time to shine, and it all starts right here. Let's get started. There was recently an article published in Fortune magazine that said one company decided to replace all of its managers with coaches. What happened was a 20% increase in productivity and reports of happier employees. Right now, what's happening in the U.S. is a shift. There has been a shift starting thanks probably to covid where in 2021, we saw the great resignation, where people were leaving their jobs, not really even sure what they were doing, but just knowing that this was no longer working for them. We've also heard buzzwords like quiet quitting or disengaged employees. And as an organization, you have a concern over retention and turnover. Not only is it disruptive, it's expensive, and it's it's hard. It's hard to manage replacing good people, hiring new ones with good talent, and meeting the expectations of the job market today. One of the things that I loved about this article was this mindset shift that as long as you are hiring good, talented people, why not just provide them with a coach versus a manager? And so I started to reflect after reading this article on, well, one, why did I become a coach and why did I think it was so important? And honestly, the reason I became a coach was one, I love it. I love training and helping people um, and, and helping them get to that next level. It was my favorite part of my job as a manager was getting that, you know, getting in the details of people and really helping them see things in a different perspective and see their own personal potential. But The things that I loved about being a coach and and in my leadership roles were not things that I was taught by my organization. And I really want to stress that because having gone through two companies' corporate trainings, the main gist of what they're teaching you as a new leader is more about how to be a manager. It's a lot about stats and reporting. It's a lot about... HR rules and regulations. It's a lot about performance improvement plans, which often feels like a fear-based motivator than true coaching, which is a positive and forward-thinking motivator. Now, I also know that there is a vibe out there that a coach is just a cheerleader. And I really want to dispel that because good coaches aren't cheerleaders. Cheerleaders are cheerleaders, right? And sometimes we need a cheerleader. Sometimes we need a hype girl. And I, I, you know, I say that often, like, let me be your hype girl. But being a coach is a step above and beyond just being somebody's hype man or woman. It's not just saying, oh, you can do this. You got this. This is great. It's telling them, I know you can do this. Here's how we're going to get it done. And then standing alongside of them and making it happen. And then you get to celebrate and cheer them on once they're hitting those milestones and successes. And so I want to share a couple of my mindsets about coaching and what I think more leaders slash managers need to add in to their skill set and mindsets to help them show up as coaches 
for their employees, not just managers slash leaders. So I want to share two main things. I want to talk about the cone of learning, and I want to talk about the learning cycle. So the cone of learning, if you can kind of imagine a funnel, right? We all are pretty familiar with sales funnels. So imagine this V-shaped funnel, and at the top where it's, you know, cut that funnel in half. So you've got this top section that's the biggest chunk of the funnel, and then you've got the bottom section where it gets really narrow and, and trickles down. That top part of the funnel is what I like to call the active learning zone. And the bottom part of the funnel is the passive learning zone. So when you think about active learning, this is that kinesthetic, that's that do phase. So for sales, that looks like role play. For leaders, that's also role play, but it's like when we practice a presentation before we go for it, or maybe um, sketch out and rehearse maybe a little bit of your sales meeting content. This is that repetition and that practice part. Um, or when you're actually in the field doing the job, having a one-on-one -on -one coaching session, meeting with a client, those are your do sections, kinesthetic learning, active, active learning. The bottom portion of the cone of learning is what I call the passive portion. And this is more where you're being told or given resources to look at. So this is the hearing and seeing side of learning. So most people learn one of three ways. They learn through hearing, seeing, and doing. Most people, it's a combination of all three. But based on research, after a training event, right, 70% of what somebody actually did, the action, the repetition during that training event stays with them two weeks post-training. For hearing, it's only 20% stays sticky and reading is only 10%. So I would venture to say that if you're going to create one-on-one -on -one coaching with your team members, that you need to be focused mostly on the doing. And right now, if you had an honest moment with yourself as a leader, and you said, how much time have I spent doing with my team versus telling? I think you'd say your funnel's probably reversed. You're probably spending a majority of your time on the most least effective form of change management. And so this is where, you know, you'll hear people say like, sometimes you need to stop learning and you just need to start doing, you need to take that action. It's because action actually makes the skills sticky. It gives you a chance to practice it, develop it and build your confidence. So a coaching session in most scenarios, it includes the leader saying, hey, your stats are down, make sure you make more calls. Your sales are down, make sure that your MLS is good. Your da, 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 like we're managing stats, we're managing results, and we're telling them what they need to do. Some managers do take that a step above and they take a moment to show them. So now I'm getting into the learning cycle. So the learning cone is active down to passive and an acknowledgement that most folks, uh, the content is more sticky if there's a do and a kinesthetic portion of the training session. But when, the, when you're thinking about the learning cycle as a coach, you need to include a portion of tell, show, do, and review, that feedback portion. So most, almost all leaders, managers are good at telling, hey, this is what you need to do. This, this, is, this is the direction you need to get going. Showing is like next level leadership. And some leaders do this too, where they might say, hey, I want you to in, you know, enhance your MLS, but here's what a good job looks like. And they might take you in the system and they may physically show you a really good example of MLS 
are a really good example of like a, a competition, uh, competitive analysis. And so there you have a benchmark of what looks good. So that's like step two. Step three is do. And this is what I'm not seeing a lot of managers and leaders doing. And this is the difference between a coach and a manager is asking them to now do it. Is this going to make your one-on-ones longer, but it's going to make your one-on-ones more powerful. And so then that goes like, let's just keep using MLS as an example, right? So I want you, step one, your MLS needs to be inputted or improved. Step two, show here's what a good job looks like. Step three, do is, hey, salesperson, now I'm going to sit alongside you and I want you to show me you do it. You go in, you enhance, you create one. Let's let's do this together and make sure that we're aligned on what a good job looks like, okay? Then you sit there, you watch them do it. Do not give a ton of feedback unless they ask. Let them just roll with it. You hired somebody, you should trust them. You already showed them what a good job looks like. See how much of that they can take and implement. If they have questions, certainly help, but let them steer the ship at this point. And then you can give feedback. Hopefully your feedback is, that looks amazing, great. And if not, then maybe it's, Hey, you know, those pictures are good, but I may have added in these two community pictures. You know, sometimes community pictures can add a real vision of not just the house, but what it's going to be like entirely to live here. Um, or you may say, take out that sentence and that sentence, they're very redundant. And we just want a clear, concise message about what this home has to offer. Um, so you can give the feedback then and then sit there while they redo until we get to gold star status. Now we've set the expectation. Not only have I told you that MLS is important, I've showed you what a good job looks like. And now I know and I trust that you can do a good job. Now, this is gonna be uncomfortable at first. This is gonna be really uncomfortable for you as a leader because you're pushing yourself to push them. It's gonna be uncomfortable for them because at first it might feel like micromanaging, but at the end of the day, you're both gonna walk away from there aligned about what this task looks like, aligned that it wasn't impossible, aligned that now you know you can let Susie salesperson go on MLS. Like she's got it. She's done it. And if you go back and spot check, which every once in a while you should spot check, you go in your spot check MLS. And if she starts to slip into old habits, you go back and you say, hey, let's sit down. Let's let's do review again. Let's go back and talk about these and see how we can get them back on track. This is not micromanaging. This is actually building trust and being a good coach because you set clear expectations. You gave them the sport support, excuse me. You gave them an opportunity to shine in front of you. You gave them an opportunity for you to give them a high five, a heads up, go, you got this way to go team. And then you gave them the trust after the interaction to let them go. And then, yeah, if along the way MLS starts to slip, we just readdress address it like anything else. And so this misconception that coaches are just cheerleaders and they're just there to be like your hype person, that's not the case. Coaches are there to craft. And I hate to use a sports analogy because I think they're way overused in new home sales and I'm not even a sports person. But all I can say is when you think of a NFL football coach, nobody is thinking of a cheerleader. They're just not. They're thinking of somebody who has really high standards, really high expectations, is wanting to build a winning championship team, and they're going to do what it takes to get each player to that level. That's what we need. We need more of those people in leadership positions than we need um, tracker people. And then we need, you know, somebody who's like, Hey, your stats are falling. We need you to take it to that next level and become an in the field coach, taking the time to tell, show, do review this, this, my dears is how you level up your team. This is how you get that trust between you and your 
employees. This is how you raise the bar, set the standards and get your team up to that level. I'm going to tell you my leaders who are good coaches, they made me super uncomfortable. I would get really nervous when they came in, but I also knew that they thought highly of me. They thought I had the potential or they wouldn't have asked me to perform to that. I also knew that after they left, I was going to be a better salesperson or get another sale because of what they taught me. I also knew that they were doing this because they cared about me, not because they were trying to get rid of me. And I feel like performance improvement plans is the complete opposite of this. Performance improvement plans are used as fear-based management tools to say, if you don't do this, you're going to get terminated. Where performance improvement plans should be way before that happens should be these one-on-one coaching sessions um, regularly with your team. And if you're setting good expectations and if you're watching performance um, expectations and providing feedback, you're doing less and less performance improvement plans. In my experience, performance improvement plans, this is a tongue twister, let's call them PIPs. PIPs are a I haven't done my job as a leader to get them up to speed. They are draining me. They aren't figuring it out on their own. And so I need to get them off the team and find somebody who can do it on their own. And that's not always being a good coach. Um, Yes, there is a time when I'm investing all this resource and support and they're still not getting it and they're not doing it on their own time. That is when these performance improvement plans need to come in. Their step like D Step one is how can I be a better coach? How can I give this person the right environment to thrive? Now, there are going to be people who, like I said, are really uncomfortable with this. I had, um, I came into adopting a new team and I came in and I set my expectations like, hey, I'm coming out for weekly or biweekly one-on-ones, depending on the amount of people I have at any given point in time. During those one-on-ones, we are going to obviously review your stats, right? Just make sure we're on track, but we are going to dig into coaching and training and developing. And I want to know from you, what skills you want to develop. And I'm here to get you the tools and resources to get there. And I would say 75% of the team was like, this is amazing. I can't wait. This is going to be great. Like high engagement. Like I'm ready to go. Let's go to that next level. It's so wonderful to have somebody who wants to invest that time in me and my skill development. And another 25% of the team was like, nope, I'm out. And I had somebody actually quit the next day. And the reason was it was too much accountability. She's too much. She's going to be in my business. And it's like, well, I am because I'm your coach. And just like if I was an NFL coach, I'm not going to let you off the hook. I'm not going to let you fly beyond below the radar because my job is to build a winning team. And in order to get a winning team, that means I need to be there focused on each person. Another great thing that I love about sports coaches is this concept of rolling back the tape. And so we need to start building company cultures that are more about role-playing, more about practicing the skill, more about providing feedback, not in a way that's leading to termination because we're often getting there too late and then it feels like an exit strategy. But you need to start with that. You need to create that as your normal culture. For me, when I started in the industry, this is what we did. It was heavy feedback, heavy role-play. And so when my boss said, let's, let's practice that, Abby, it never intimidated me. And if anything, I started craving feedback. And as the market shifted and leadership changed and less and less people were holding you accountable, less and less people were being coaches, 
I started craving feedback and then I thought no feedback meant I was doing well. Or then when I did get feedback, I'm like, oh shit, like they must be mad because I hadn't heard feedback in so long. So you really need to like clean slate it with your team. So if you've been somebody that's been maybe shy on the doing, shy on the reviewing and providing feedback, reset with your team. Say, hey, this is what coaching and our one-on-ones are going to look like moving forward. We're going to pick a topic. We're going to talk about it together. I'm going to show you what I think a good job looks like. I'm going to ask you to basically re-show me that skill, whatever that is. And then I'm going to give you feedback. This is how we're going to level up. And then next time I come out, we're going to start with that again. So reinforce, Hey, you know, you got, we did one MLS together. Let's look over all three of yours and then let's go on to our next topic. This is how you reinforce that something's important to you. Also, if I'm a coach and we're going to learn a new play, we're not going to talk about it once and move on. We're going to talk about it over and over and over again. We're going to roll back the tape. We're going to make sure that we are executing on the highest level possible. Also, another thing I loved about being a trainer and that I take into this new role is I loved helping people work out the kinks so they could impress their boss. So they could impress and wow the customer. But you should not be afraid of role play because role play is what gets you to that comfort and that confidence that you need to be on your A game, you know, when it is game time. So game time for a salesperson is when a customer walks in the door. Game time for a sales manager is when you are in an interaction with an employee and sales leaders and coaches, you need coaches. I have a coach. I have a coach for my business as a coach that teaches me how to be a better coach so that I can be a better coach for the people that I coach so they can be a better coach for the people they coach. I know this sounds crazy, but we all need support and accountability and somebody to push us and somebody to say, do it again, say it again, rewrite it. It doesn't sound great. I actually just got off of a coaching call this morning with one of my clients and she asked Abby, next call, can I please role play out this presentation with you and you give me feedback? And I'm like, yes, absolutely, 100%. That's what we need to be doing. And kudos to them for seeking out that level of do and feedback. But it's because they're a high performer. It's because they've been in this industry the long time. It's because they know the more they practice something and the more they get feedback, the better they're freaking gonna become. And that's what you need to create in your company culture. You don't need a company culture that's based on feedback is scary, feedback equals PIP, PIP equals termination. And what you need to do instead is be uncomfortable on the front end by creating a culture that includes practice, 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 practice again. Uh, I think it's Jeff Shore that says mastery, the destination mastery is found on, (laughs) I'm gonna mess this up, hold on. the road to mastery is, or the destination of mastery is a road of repetition or something like that. Oh my God, I'm butchering this. I'm so sorry, Jeff. But basically repetition leads to mastery. Um, I was also having a conversation with another sales leader the other day who who had never heard the concept of 10,000 hours. So if you haven't either, let's talk about that. The way you become an expert is logging 10,000 hours. Now, if you're working a 40-hour work week, that's five years. Five years of 40-hour work week makes you an expert. And I would say it took about five years of sales for me to feel like, not that I'd seen everything, but that I could handle just about any situation that came my way. Same thing with sales leadership. I was in it for about, I don't know, four, four and a half years. And I was getting to that point where I was like, okay, I've got this, right? But I logged a lot of hours even outside of those 40-hour work weeks by coaching, reading, listening, exploring, whatever I could do to develop that skill. So if, if you or if one of your team members is new 
encourage them. You got to get your 10,000 hours. You're not going to be great at your first follow-up phone call. It's going to be, Hey, it's Abby. How you doing? Just checking in. Right. That's like day one follow-up phone call, you know, a year or two in, it might be like, Hey, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, I just drove past the soccer field the other day. And I remembered your son had a game. I hope he won. I was just thinking about you guys. I hope everything's going well in the home search. Please reach out to me if you have any questions. Right. And then a few more years down the line, it might be, Hey, it's Saturday at two. I know Johnny had his game this morning. I hope he scored a goal. I know how excited he was for that. I actually also wanted to let you guys know that home site 14 got into drywall. I know how much you wanted to see it, you know, finished and with walls up, you know, can you come out tomorrow? I've got availability at two. Text me if you can make it or buzz me back. Can't wait. I'll keep that time slot saved for you guys. So your follow-up progresses as you spend more time doing follow-up, right? But if you just want to say, I'm not good at follow-up, which me as salesperson, Abby hated follow-up. It took me a long time to get away from, Hey, this is Abby. Call me back. Like to that level of communication in a follow-up call. But all I'm saying is you have to put in your time. If you want to be a good leader, you have to require your team to put in the time by facilitating it. Don't tell them and show them and then leave and go to your next one-on-one. Tell them, show them, ask them to show you ask them to perform. Some of my most amazing and precious memories as a sales leader were during role plays. We would have so much fun. I would get to just be really wowed and impressed by the skills of my team. We would get silly, right? I'd make up crazy customer stories to see how they would handle it and they'd handle it like a pro. I would learn stuff about the communities I didn't even know by pretending to be their customer. Like so many good and wonderful things come out of role plays. And more importantly, it does real, or most importantly, I should say, it really is part of the foundation of trust. You don't know that your team's good if you're not watching what they're doing. And yes, we can do video shops once a year, but that's not the same. And that's not you helping them develop those skills. That's you catching them doing it or not doing it. Instead, this like one-on-one, I'm here to support you is just invaluable. Same thing with presenting contracts. I, one time... I had like three customer misunderstandings in a row regarding contracts. I was like, time out. We are all going to present contracts to me. And I, and everybody's like, oh, Abby, this is terrible. I'm like, no, you guys are all saying some crazy stuff. So we talked about contracts. We had somebody who was really good, had a clean presentation, show everybody what a good job looks like. And then they all had to present it to me over the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to tell you, it was great. It was so exciting for me to hear what they were saying in those interactions, to pick out like one or two things that other people said that were great and share that with the team and celebrate their, you know, great skill set. And it made me feel confident that when they're sitting down and presenting a contract, I know for sure that they know what they're supposed to say and they're doing a killer job setting expectations. So again, getting long-winded, I don't like my podcast to go this long, but as you can tell, I'm, I'm hype and I'm amped. I want you, if you are a leader, to be a coach. If you are in the field, be coachable. Be a coach to your peers. Use that tell, show, do, review framework. Understand that feedback truly is a gift, that feedback is what gets you to that next level, and that doing and practicing is not embarrassing silly stuff can happen. That's fine. But it's the, it's the gateway for you improving. It's that gateway for you getting to that next level. I can't even begin to tell you the amount of times that I presented a contract to my husband when he was my boyfriend. Like it's a gross amount of times as a trainer, when I was learning new training content, I'd make him be my 
customer or I'd sit in my car or my, um, excuse me, my new hire. And I would just present this new training thing. And I'd be like, does it make sense? And he'd be like, nope, I don't get it. Explain it again. <laughs> and I'd sit in my car sometimes and practice my talk tracks before I would present in big meetings as a leader, or I'd go into the office early and pull up my slides and I'd sit there and practice clicking through them. And what I was going to say, I didn't take my job or my responsibility lightly. I wanted to be really fucking good at it. So I practiced. And if you want a really friggin' good team, sorry, I keep swearing, you gotta encourage them to practice and you need to be willing to give them feedback. All right, I'm gonna wrap it up. But if you feel like you need help leveling up your coaching skills, please reach out to me. I would love to talk to you about some more tips and tricks. More importantly, I'd love to just hold you accountable to encouraging you to get out there and to make those truly powerful one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, part of your everyday or every week routine with your team. All right. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Rise and Shine. We hope you're leaving today's conversation feeling inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to make a meaningful impact in your career and life. Remember, your journey is unique and every step you take brings you closer to your goals. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a moment of empowerment and share with a friend, somebody who you think may benefit from this episode too. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, insights, and even topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes episodes by connecting with us on social media or leaving a review. Your feedback helps us tailor Rise and Shine to meet your unique needs. Until next time, keep rising, keep shining, and keep making your mark in the world of home building.